You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's funny, as a kid, I feel like picture books were largely lost on me. But as an adult, as a teacher, and as a parent, I have come to really appreciate the picture book as a really meaningful and significant art form. And so for this week's episode, I'm focusing on Dan Santat, an artist who has taken the picture book and elevated it from something to read to fill the time to a work of art that can help us to gain new insights, change our perspectives, and change our world. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood, art ed, me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to great. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and joining me today, once again, I'm talking with one of my absolute favorite librarians, Mr. Tony Kressel. Thanks for joining me. Glad to be back. Thanks for not giving up on me. <laughs> I, um, I always love talking. You bring such good insights because you have such a depth of knowledge about so many different things. And one of the things that I keep thinking about every time I talk with you is I have read so many studies about the way that people become great at something and, you know, artists who have been seen to go on like a hot streak. They talk about people have this strategy of either dabbling in a whole bunch of different stuff and getting that that wide sort of breadth of knowledge and others who sort of focus and specialize in something and what really seems to to be the winning formula is to start off getting that broad base of knowledge and then focus your attention and specialize after you've like dabbled and figured out all the different parts so you can take from these different things it's kind of how like we go through life isn't it we kind of try a lot of things out and we see oh i like this suddenly you're an art teacher for 15 (laughs) years and a librarian and classroom teacher for 22 years you're like oh this is what i really really like to do i can sit here and talk to kids about books all day i will never ever get tired of talking to kids about books about their passions and their designs and design thinking But that's what I like about you, and that's what I always think about when I talk to you, because you know a lot about books. You are focused and specializing in that right now, but you bring to that a depth, a breadth of knowledge from all sorts of different categories, because you have studied and done a lot of different things. And so today, I thought you would be the perfect person to talk to about a category of artist I haven't always focused on as much in my podcast series, 
we're going to be talking about a great illustrator. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this illustrator today. Uh, he's one of my favorites, and I think he has such a depth of collaboration um, and in such an interesting humorous style that appeals to students who are just beginning their school lives and also all the way through adults. Because when I put these books into in children's hands, I put these books in adults' hands, I'm like, read this book. Okay, now make sure you're looking at the illustrations. Now go back and really look at the illustrations. Okay, now go back one more time and then you're gonna see, oh, look what this guy is doing. And it seems to be so consistent, no matter if it's his own work or a collaborative piece, that it just stuns me every single time. I, I see something by this person. Oh, absolutely. And I guess we probably should say his name. I'm horribly in the habit of not saying people's name because as I'm talking to people, I'm just like, you know who you are. Why I thought I it was a big reveal, so but, I was just waiting. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Dan Santat, and hopefully I pronounced his name correctly. But uh, Dan Santat is a contemporary illustrator and a writer. Um, he has been doing a lot of different stuff. He has published a number of books. I think I've seen like a hundred different books that he has been a part of. Um, you know, sometimes he's the author slash illustrator. Sometimes he is just the illustrator working in collaboration, as you said. Um, but what's interesting is his background was not initially art and design. Did you know this? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't remember. I probably did, but I've forgotten it at this point. Okay, so Dan Santat, he was initially born in Brooklyn, New York, and um, his parents came from Thailand, and he moved to California when he was like three years old. So he's basically more or less a California native, um, but when he first went off to college, he went to University of California, San Diego, studied microbiology. And then it was only after he got that, that bachelor's in microbiology that he went to the Art Center for Design, studied, you guessed it, art and design. And he seems to be pretty good at it. Well, I, I guess the focus on the small lends itself to creating wonderful details in your illustrations or something like that. Something like that. But I guess also understanding biology would probably help you to draw living figures pretty well and understanding the different phases and how they move and how they are structured. And that's kind of what I wanted to make sure we talk about today is the characters and how he communicates and conveys the emotions uh, within the story elements and also makes you really feel like you can see that window of understanding that character or that mirror of seeing yourself in his stories as well. We talk a lot about that in the library, windows and mirrors. That's what I kind of want to reflect on today. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, to start... That, that was a mirror joke. I got that. Okay, just checking. I see where you're going with this. I, I get words. I know okay. how things work. Um, but to start, like, I was thinking of the Drawn Together. That was the first book of his that I became aware of because... You know, we were talking last year as you were putting together a collection of books and resources for students and Drawn Together was the one that I picked up and I was blown away by by the story and 
First of all, it's a it's a delightful story of a child basically getting to know their grandfather. Yes. For those of you unfamiliar with the story, uh, grandson is dropped off at his grandparents' house to be watched for whatever reason. Um, there's clearly not a, a strong relationship there. They don't seem to know each other very well. Uh, they also don't speak the same language. Min Lei is the author of this book, and this is one of several collaborations they've done together. Yeah. As we go through the story... Um, they're having a hard time communicating. They don't eat the same foods. They don't like to watch the same TV. And so they basically get to this point where they're stuck. And I think what was really brilliant about this book is the fact that there is so little text. There, well, I guess in some ways the, the illustrations are the text, but there's so little written words for us to pick up, up on. And I think that that matches so well with a story about a language barrier as it is so visually constructed in this world. And as a reader, the first time I'm looking at it, I kind of felt that awkwardness of experience the language barrier. And I have to think when we talk about windows and mirrors, for me, this is a window into the world that probably on some level was familiar to somebody who grew up, you know, he, he was, first generation in America, but, um, you know, probably has relatives who speak other languages, is my assumption. And for sure, as I teach this book in our class, it's also an opportunity for those um, students to kind of pipe up and say, oh, you know, my grandmother is from this place and we have a hard time communicating sometimes. Or I speak another language and I have to speak different languages when I'm with those different relatives. In this particular book, we don't get to see that communication piece going on. There's attempts, but it's not well done until they're drawn together. And of course, the beautiful play on words there, because they are creating artwork together. And we see in that creation, the synthesis of these styles. Like as I'm looking at these illustrations, I'm looking particularly at an illustration of the older figure that's black and white and has the feel of a traditional pen and ink calligraphic work that I I would see from, you know, an... East Asian country, and and then I see another more sort of contemporary, colorful illustration that feels like it would be produced by a kid today. And this is why when I see these books uh, illustrated by Dan Santet, this one particularly blows me away. We're looking at the page where they see each other for the first time. The quote on the page before it says, Right when I gave up on talking, my grandfather surprised me by revealing a world beyond words. In a flash, we see each other for the first time. And then you see both the drawings side by side, the one done by the grandson and one done by the grandfather. And the styles have a familiarity to them, but they are so completely different. I think it's so cool to see how those generation he decided to make those generational drawings look um, connected, but in the style of Dan Santan, but also so distinct that you can tell it's like a very different way of looking at their world. And I think what's really interesting to me is he is able to get those two distinct styles to work together as a unified composition. Um, 
you know, to have something that is black and white in some areas and in color in another area and still have them fit together, that's that's a difficult thing to do. But then you you also complicate it by having stylistic differences beyond just the, the element of the color or, you know, value and things like that. And I, I think it shows what a smart and sophisticated artist he is, that he's able to bring these different styles together. I, I think Minley's stories bring so much out in them and their collaboration together, it makes it just go that much further. You know, we've seen so many great books that he's done. Um, one of my favorites earlier on from about 10 or 15 years ago is Carnivores, uh, mm-hmm. written by Aaron Reynolds um, and illustrated by him. And it's such it's you still see that style that he brings the exaggerated facial features uh larger head sizes um great color great humor but this is like it's really evolved over the time and he's playing with illustrations in different ways that we're seeing now and i I just think he continues to grow and it i think that's a really good thing to show students so um kyle was referring to how I was introducing these to the students, I've done some author studies with Dan Santa just to kind of show them how artists collaborate, artists write their own things. They really kind of um, move around as much as they can because they're trying to figure out what are they trying, what are they trying to say? What is how can my illustrations that I'm doing bring this story even more to life when it's um, when there's not too many words. How do I do that? And I think that's what he really looks at. Yeah, and I think one of the things I found most interesting about him is in the early 2000s, I want to say like 2006, 7, somewhere around there, he actually was working with Disney developing uh, a cartoon, The Replacements. Mm-hmm. And I think that lasted like a year, and he he said he kind of walked away from Disney. He said the thing about working for such a big animation house, like a conglomerate, like Disney, like to me, that feels like the dream, you know, um, to have like a, a, a cartoon and doing something on Disney channel. Like I would, I would love that, but that's too late. Maybe that's where you're going next. That's as an outsider. But, but what he said is the thing about that is when you're making something that it is for such a massive audience, there is this push to sort of homogenize everything. And when I say homogenize everything, I mean it's sort of like breaking things down into like one sort of common approach that's going to appeal to the most people. And what he really likes about books and the publishing world and the illustration world is there's a little bit more freedom and embrace of the diversity of ideas and approaches. And I've, I've read a quote from him and that I, I cannot quote verbatim, but it was, it was a really nice thought as he talked about how part of his goal in his work is to create stuff for kids that shows you don't have to have like one specific skill set that applies to everything that, the, that he wants people to find their passion and dive into that, and that's where they'll find success. Oh, I'm and I so think glad that's you a, brought a that great up. Mindset. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. That kind of transitions us to another story that I really, really enjoy from him. Uh, this is a, a book that he wrote and illustrated himself called After the Fall. Um, How Humpty Dumpty Got Back Up Again. Are you familiar with this book, Mr. Wood? No, I just laugh every time Humpty Dumpty comes up just because, like, an egg sitting on a wall and, you know, I don't know why people thought horses could put him back together. Well, it turns out if you know the book, the (laughs) Kings County Hospital could not put him back together. And Humpty develops a fear of heights, which is unfortunate because all he wants to do is watch, is is do bird watching from the top of this large... um, fence-ish type thing. And so as we go through the story, he's drawn and also repulsed by this wall that he's like, this is where I used to be, but I can't go there again. And the illustrations that you see through the book, um, again, sparse text. You have some text, but it's not a page filled, pages and pages filled with text. Um, You really get into the mind of someone who has suffered some sort of setback whether it's a big T trauma, little T trauma, um, whatever it is that you've had to deal with. And this is what I talk to my students about. We all have challenges that we struggle. Can we always get right back up? No. Sometimes we have to find ways to get there. And so one of the pages that just stuns me, I know I keep saying that, but like every time I read it, I get emotional because I see it. And I've done these books so many times with the students, and it's such a good sign of an illustrator who's doing their best work. Um, is that they allow us to get into that story. And so there's a page, a two-page spread, about two-thirds towards the end, that is a climactic moment where you see just the hand of Humpty reaching up for the ladder to go up. And you see so much emotion coming from a hand. It's not even brightly lit. In fact, it's dark because you're in the shadow of this wall. I didn't look up. I didn't look down. I just kept climbing one step at a time. And if that's not a metaphor for a lot of things we have to struggle through these days, I don't know what is. Well, and as we talk about this as a work of art, I think it's a very strong composition as a two-page spread because, as you talked about, he's backlit. The world around him looks so much brighter, and he is in that shadow of fear. He is, you know, it's psychologically in a dark place, but trying to get to that bright spot. He's reaching for it. And we see the wiggle lines to show that hand is trembling as it is reaching up. And I think this is a great example of an artist showing restraint. There's this idea of uh, synecdoche, where sort of the parts represent the whole. And we don't need to see all of Humpty 
here. We need to see just his hands and what his hands are doing. We know there's a body underneath them, but this focuses our attention on the important action. And that extremely low horizon line, the fact that we see just the tops of the buildings in the background and most of the page is that blank sky, gives us that sense of just how high up he is reaching as he's climbing. And I think all of those elements coming together, like that doesn't happen by accident. That happens because Dan Santat is an illustrator who thinks about how to arrange every element in this composition. And again, I just want to reiterate that I can give this book, I can share this book with any classroom teacher in an elementary building. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can give it to a kindergartner and they get it. They see that struggle. Okay, he's moving. That's what those lines are showing. They're moving, but they're not just like, oh, I'm having fun. There's a there's a tension to that, to everything that he's doing. And we can see that. And kids can identify with that so, so well. They know their challenges that they face too. And even if they don't want to verbalize them and communicate them to me and make those connections in class, we have those people who will speak, the students who will speak up and say, yes, I totally understand this. Um, and that really brings that window component to it. Yeah, I've struggled with things too. Man, think about mental health, thinking about how we're doing school right now, doing everything right now. This is such a powerful book to say, well, what comes next? You don't always have to be perfect at getting back to it. Can you think about how you're going to take that one little step? And I, I got to broaden this and say, it's not just kids who are relating to that because there are some days when I'm grasping that rung on the ladder too and hoping to get to the next one. And there are days it's a struggle to get through for all of us. And like I say, it's relatable to everybody. And I think part of the reason that these illustrations are relatable to everybody is by isolating the figure of just the hands that are in shadow. It's, and we're not seeing those signifiers of a time and a place and a culture. We're not seeing the fashion that says like, oh, he comes from this society or he comes, you know, that's a fancy outfit he's wearing. It's really a universal I, theme. It's a universal theme, and it's drawn in a universal way. I love that. Um, and, and I don't, don't want to spoil it too much. I don't know if you've read the end of this book, but what do eggs make? They make birds. So he's been obsessed with being a bird watcher because he is a bird waiting to hatch. And because he comes back up on that wall, suddenly he is that bird. And every time, like the first time I read this book, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But no one, I've never seen anyone come up with this. Well, it's its that whole thing of a good story has, has a resolution that seems surprising and yet inevitable, right? I, absolutely. And, and it just, I'm wowed at it every single time. So I loved After the Fall. We talked about Drawn Together. Yeah. He's awesome work. Yeah. I'd like. I would like if we have a little time. I'd like to talk a little bit about Lyft, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he did just pu publish a new book called Aquanaut. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if it's in a collaboration. We'll have to add that later. Um, and he is working on a memoir right now, a graphic novel memoir that I cannot wait for it to come out. I I am happy to shill for his books all the time if yeah. he needs to get the publicity to my dozens of listeners. He he does not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. He's yeah. doing okay. He's doing just um, fine. I just 
after drawn the success of Drawn Together, which was um, nominated for our state awards, uh, Monarch List here in Illinois, uh, the next collaboration they did with Min Lei was Lift. And that's another story um, in a very, very different style. We, we see our friend, we see a girl who's just living her life. She lives in a walk up, or I'm sorry, in a high rise building of some sort in a city um, where her job and joy that she finds every day, she's probably four or five years old, maybe a little bit older, is to push the elevator button to get up to her apartment and push the elevator button to get down to her apartment. When um, her younger brother suddenly takes over that job, you can imagine there's a little bit of frustration. So she manages to find a broken elevator button. And when she comes home and uses that elevator button at home, it transports her into different worlds. Um, this book has very much focuses so much on faces, focuses again on this color of light and darkness that we saw in After the Fall. Um, but the, the, the scenes of where she goes uh, throughout the book is just phenomenal. And what she learns to do, she embraces her family as she decides that she wants to share these things with her family as she goes through. There's lots and lots of little clues in this book to talk about where she's going to go next. That's what I bring attention to with my students is like, oh, there's a he, the little brother loves his pet tiger, which he's named after his sister, by the way. And so the first scene she goes to, she sees a tiger. The next scene, they're playing a space, they're playing a board game at night. So the next place that she goes to is outer space. And there's a, just this one, again, I really have enjoyed his landscape pieces here. Um, there's a scene of her just hanging out in space and just looking over the world. And then she decides, I need to share this with someone. I need to lift them up. So we talk about how lift is both an elevator. It's a term for an elevator. Mm -hmm. It's how you carry someone along with you. And it's how you bring someone's spirits up. And so I love the play on words with the title. It's yeah. Same thing as drawn together. It, it's sort of like the surrealist, the free associations between things and the connections that we make that are really interesting. Um, and, and like you say, you're, you're again, stopping at a two page spread. I mean, I don't think it's any accident that like, these are the big illustrations that he's putting out there because they're, they're stunning illustrations and he gives them that prime real estate of the two page spread. Um, and I, I think just the vastness of space, like the, the scale of everything in there, I think is wonderfully created. And I just think. Every time we're, I'm reading one of his books, there's a mood that's being set. It's it's hopeful, it's it's triumphant towards the end usually, um, and we find that we find the magical the magic in the everyday. You know, we yeah. find those little moments that set us apart, that 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 make us lift up a little bit more, that bring us together, that say we're going to continue even after we've had some challenges. I know those three books are. Obviously, they hit you over the head with it. Um, but for kids, it's not an obvious thing. As adults, we're like, okay, I see where he's going with it. I like how he's delivered this message. But for students seeing this for the first or second or tenth time, it can be quite a revelation. And it's not, this is why these books become kids' favorites. Oh, and and, and I, I got to say, like, I... I see what you're saying. They're not exactly subtle, but I don't feel like it's hitting me. Even as an adult reader, I don't feel like it's hitting me over the head where everything is so obvious that it's painful. I think there are these little details that 
even somebody who has read a number of books, I still discover little details in the you know the way he makes a certain mark, the way he the way he frames it. The you know as you talked about the ending for his for his after the fall book, the way that that Humpty gets out of his shell and becomes a bird, like it's it's surprising in some elements, and and I think it can even surprise adults and. That's why I, as an adult, I am finding so much more appreciation for, for picture books as a medium. Like they are really fantastic works of art. And it's certainly not didactic by any stretch of the imagination. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, oh, here's the lesson of the day. No, it, it, it it's there and you can find it. It's always so fascinating to talk to it. I target my second graders a lot with these books because I think they're developmentally at an age where they can start to see themselves in other people's situations and also have had enough life experience to make some connections to it. But any grade really, really can benefit from all of these books. And we haven't even talked about Beekle, which is the one that won the Caldecott, <laughs> um, The Unimaginary Friend. And we don't even need to talk about it too much because if you have any familiarity with either children's books or Dan Santat, you know that Beekle is one of those books that's kind of a cornerstone these days. It's won all the awards. It, it, it's a delightful book. I started my year teaching it with all my classes, making our own imaginary friends. And I'm wrapping it up. I want just a three-point rating scale. And where should this hang? The loo? Is this something to look at? The lab? Is this something to learn from? Or the loo? British for the bathroom. Yeah, there's the a joke in there somewhere. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, I think more it's a piece for the heart. Yeah. I, I find it, it's... We are trying so hard to get students to communicate their feelings and understand and um, that it's okay to share out and talk about their experiences and what they've gone through. Um, I think all of these books that he does gives those moments credence, gives them a, a strength to know, yes, you're not the only one going through these situations, um, but let's take them to the next level. What happens? This what if question. What if my imaginary friend was waiting for me? What if... Um, we kept that story of Humpty Dumpty going on. What if I couldn't communicate with my grandfather, but we both loved drawing? And what if um, I got really annoyed with my family, but my elevator turned magical? Those what if questions. This is not a show for Marvel, although it's good synergy because he is a Disney employee still. Um, <laughs> those pieces that he does, they really kind of like set them out. Uh, if you haven't read A New Day, that's he did in collaboration with Brad Meltzer. He of the Little People Big World stuff where Sunday quits yeah. like what if we had to get another day of the week like i love these little tiny questions that lead to great discussions great artwork and great collaborations what else can you ask for as a librarian or as a human yeah and and this is one where i'm i'm not really going to disagree with you i'm going to more yes and and i'm going to say to me this is this is museum work i would love to go into a museum and see a display of really thoughtful and beautifully created um, illustrations and and graphic novels and works for the heart and the head. Because what I've seen in all of his works that I've read and everything that I've looked at, there is a common thread of sort of the transformational power of imagination and what you bring to a situation and kind of you 
get out what you put in and sometimes a little bit more because when you bring that energy and when you bring the right lens to something and you make those connections, it changes your world. It changes your worldview. It changes your world. And I think that's something we all need and that's something we need to preserve for the ages. I think that's a powerful way to say that. And I, and I hope someday, Dan, you listen to this and you hear <laughs> that your, the work he does matters. And yes. it, 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 we can keep talking about it and keep talking about it. We could spend another couple of hours on it. But the work he does matters to students who may not feel like they can reach out, may not feel like they can have these conversations until we give them this piece that says, let's use our imagination. Let's use that next step. How can we continue on? Uh, I think it's a great way to to do that. And I think before it's all said and done, he's not. I think we're going to put him in our Hall of Fame of artists and illustrators from this generation. He clearly um, is passionate about it. It doesn't show any signs of slowing down at this point. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's not just well done work. It's good work. Right. He's doing good with his work, and I think it's only getting better. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for letting you, me man. come back. I uh, appreciate it. I know it. you're uh, doing so so many good things here. I always, I truly, truly enjoy getting the chance to um, come and geek out a little bit. And I, I love the insights you bring. And a lot of times you help me see something in a new way. And always, always glad to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.